right, ladies and gentlemen, here is the arts report, I think. Today on the Arts Report, musician and comedian John Worcester comes to Vancouver with Mountain Goats. Our regular books segment is back with Madeline Sonic's Afflictions and Departures. And an extended interview with Vancouver's burlesque Queen of Sass, Crystal Precious. So stay with us. Welcome to the Arts Report for June the 15th, 2011. The Arts Report is your weekly fix of arts and culture on the radio. I'm your host, Adam Janusz, and we are, of course, on CITR 101.9 FM and online at citr.ca. We've got a great show for you today, uh, an interview with John Worcester, who's coming to Vancouver uh, to play with the Mountain Goats, which, uh, no, I won't tell you why he's bringing Mountain Goats with him just yet. You'll have to stay tuned for what the Mountain Goats are, if you don't know already. Um, Also, uh, we're going to talk books. Our books segment is back this week. Uh, Megan Thomas is our books correspondent, and she'll tell us about Afflictions and Departures by Madeline Sonic, who is a uh, local local person, a local writer and... uh, and uh, so we'll talk about that. And we've got an extended interview, the next in our month-long series of extended interviews here on the Arts Report. And this week's extended interview is with Crystal Precious, who is a fixture of the Vancouver burlesque scene. Um, Megan uh, from Books, our books correspondent, interviewed her a few weeks ago for the Vancouver International Burlesque Festival. But uh, when they sat down, they had an awesome, wide-ranging conversation that uh, talked about burlesque in Vancouver in general and um, and is a really really great listen so we'll get to play um, all the great parts that we didn't get to play for you uh, when we aired it the first time which is to say it focused last time on just the festival but uh, today we get to uh, open the doors a little and um, and have a more wide-ranging conversation which is a lot of fun because uh, you know we try to pack in a lot of content for you every week on the arts report uh, we only have one hour so we try to stuff it with with as much local arts events as possible and um, you know who appreciates that about the arts report um, the fact that we try to highlight local artists uh, and we do that week after week tirelessly why it's the National Community Campus and Community Radio Association in Canada. Um, what am I talking about? Well, we just won an award. Woohoo! Yes, the Arts Report has won uh, an award for uh, local talent development. So uh, we applied, the Arts Report applied, uh, or I guess I should say CITR applied, um, saying that the Arts Report. Um, you know, promotes local artists and does this well. And and uh, in our sort of application for this award, we we highlighted the fact that we we cover a lot of different uh, artists. You know, 50, last year we did, I think, fifty shows, and in each show we cover you know four or five or six, sometimes seven different artists artists or events that are happening in Vancouver. And we really want to help the. 
you know, the struggling artists who don't have a huge media machine behind them, don't have bus ads and TV commercials. And、uh, we want to tell you, the listeners, about these, these events. And so we submitted our application to the NCRA. And、um, they had a big conference last week. And a few of us CITR folks, not, not myself included,、uh, went to Halifax, where this was taking place. And,、um, and the awards, the, the national annual awards, were taking place. And Booya Award number two was、uh, awarded to CITR. Yes, for all that the,、uh, the Arts Report has done in the last year. So、uh, I just found out today, even though this happened, I think, last Tuesday,、um, this was my first chance to, to come to the station. And, uh, and, and be here to work on the show. And lo and behold, there's this、uh, reel.、Uh, the award is a reel, a metal、uh, reel with a little plaque on it that says 2011 you know, award from NCRA. And、uh, I just looked at this thing and was like,、uh, excuse me, what is this? <laughs> and,、uh, and Hugo here at the station told,、uh, sort of filled me in. He was there and, and he gave me the scoop of what happened last week. So. Woo, man, we are,、uh, we are excited here at the Arts Report. We are,、um, are very happy because,、um, you know,、uh, we're in a windowless room. There's, there's one window in the on air studio, and it faces a brick wall,、uh, which is the interior of the sub building, you know,、uh, a big. Brown brick, ugly building at UBC that's going to get replaced in a few years. And, and I'm sort of talking into a hunk of metal. I have no idea if there's anybody listening. I have no idea if anybody cares that I'm talking about、um, you know, pl- this play or that dance piece or this、uh, fundraiser.、Um, I don't know. I, I assume there are people listening and I.、Um, I get some feedback from you know, online statistics about podcast downloads and things like that. And, and you know, I know that hundreds, hundreds of people are listening. But you know, sometimes it's just hard to grasp that fact. It's hard to grasp that any of this makes any difference. Any of the work that we put in here on the Arts Report makes any difference. So, so it's really nice to receive、um, this acknowledgement of, of our hard work in the past year. So, so I want to say thank you to the, the RNCRA and thanks to CITR who have really supported. Supported me、uh, since I've been here、um, since last year at this show. I can tell you when I started here last year, I don't know if, if anybody was listening to those early shows that I did last year, but they were not award worthy whatsoever. Um, but um, But you know, I've, I've kept working at it and I've had an amazing team,、um, including Anna and Jeannie and Nick and.、Um, And, and many others who, and Megan,、uh, who else? This is like an acceptance speech, it's turning into an acceptance speech.、Um, and Sarah Lapsley, and a whole bunch of others、uh, who have been contributors to the Arts Report over the, the past year and volunteers.、Um, To make this show what it is today, Simon,、um, Tom,、uh, yeah. So, so thanks to all of you.、Um, you are a part of, of, of this, this award. And,、um, and thank you to the listeners. Thanks to all of you for,、um, for your support as well. And I hope you've enjoyed、um, all the different.、Um, Artistic things that, that we've been able to highlight on the Arts Report because there is so much going on in Vancouver and it, it is an absolute pleasure to, to be covering it and, and to know that, that you know, not everybody is covering these things. So, so we feel good that we're, we're helping people and, and the NCRA agrees. So,、um, so thanks. Yeah, good times. All right, enough about all that. Let's get on with、uh, the show. 
Uh, John Worcester is a creative renaissance man. He's a drummer for two bands, The Mountain Goats and Superchunk. He's also half of the comedy duo Sharpling and Worcester. He lives in North Carolina, but The Mountain Goats are coming to Vancouver on Friday, June 17th to the Biltmore. Arts Report correspondent Sarah Lapsley spoke to John via telephone, and they started by talking about John's Vancouver connection. Here is Sarah. So you have a Vancouver connection a little bit. You toured with the New Pornographers in 2007. Uh-huh. And then with Carl Newman's solo project in 2009. Yeah. And so you were also played Carl Newman in uh, the new video they That's have right. for uh, Moves. Yeah, I, 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 I'm oddly connected to, to Carl Newman, I, I, in a way I never envisioned. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that come about, the video? Um, the video, um, well, I, like you said, I, I, I did a tour where I filled in um, for Kurt, the new pornographer's drummer. Um, Nico Case recommended me for that when um, he and his wife uh, were having... A baby, but they'd already booked this tour and um, uh, uh, for challengers. So I did that, and then um, through that, uh, Carl asked me to play on his second solo record called "Get Guilty," and I, I did that. And then the tour for that record, and um, Tom Sharpling um, had an idea for a video for um, the song "Moves" on their current record together, and I, I think he pitched it to Carl and the um, you know the the hard part about the new pornographers doing, I guess, anything is that they're, they don't live in the same area. And so it was, I think Carl was excited about the idea of a video that they didn't have to be in because it would just be this Herculean undertaking to get them all together to do it. So Tom had this idea where it would, it would be a fake um, movie trailer of, about the rise and the rise of the new pornographers, mm-hmm. the joke being that there was never a fall. And uh, so he just uh, thought of who who could be in this thing as, as the band members, and, and the, the casting was just great and, and crazy. And I think he was very excited that everybody that he, that he wanted pretty much did it. You know, there was uh, Kevin Corrigan, great actor in... Uh, Wyatt Senek and um, I'm going to forget people. Horatio Sands and uh, Paul Rudd was uh, was in the uh, in the trailer that that appears before. Oh. <laughs> Expecting Bill Hader. Yeah, with, with, with Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live and uh, Julie Klausner uh, is in it. She plays Nico and um, oh, I'm not forgetting people. Ted Leo plays Catherine. Um, uh, Esther Crow is Todd Fancy, the man behind the shades. And Mike Lisk, who's the producer of the best show, is is Kurt, the drummer. So, uh, well, it's a very uh, funny and, I play, video. and I play Carl. Yes, yeah. Well, you should uh, definitely check out that video because it's very funny, um, kind of debauched video. Mm-hmm. Um, John Hodgman is in it. He play he plays the head of Matador Records. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure who that is, but yeah, oh. that's a great scene. Yeah. Have you ever seen the the uh, those I'm a PC I'm a Mac commercials? No. <laughs> okay, it might just be a U.S. thing. He's 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 in those, or he, he was in those. Hmm. So you'd know him if you saw him. Well, I heard moves on a Hyundai car commercial 
um, in one of the ads from the Stanley Cup playoffs. So oh, wow. it's definitely getting they, out there. They get placements. The yeah, New York, uh, the, the New York pornographers, the new, the new <laughs> pornographers get placement. <laughs> so I just wanted to talk a little bit about your sort of pervasive online presence, like you like to tweet and post status updates. So what's that like to interact with people sort of on a day-to-day well, basis? Well, it, it's, it's really fun for me because it's the, it's the, the, the tweeting and Facebook posting is sort of the, 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 um, the perfect medium for me because of my my short attention span where it's it's just i can just say something in a sentence instead of having to i think if if i had to write something that was long i think i would lose interest and probably you wouldn't see me up there at all mm-hmm. you know but it's just fun to find it's like fun to find stuff online to post and i travel all the time so it's it's you're always seeing very weird things and getting in strange situations and it's just fun to share those yeah and it's a way to stay connected too if you're on the road all the time yeah exactly one of the things that i like uh the most of what you've said is this word hate thing so maybe you can tell me a little bit about how that came and then some of your most hated words or most favorite words uh well ever since i was a kid uh, i there have been certain words that just really rubbed me the wrong way and i i most of them I've come to realize after posting these word hate uh, things online is that most of them came from going to church when <laughs> I was a kid, like very young. And they're either church-related or food-related in such a way that as I go back to childhood, uh, I realize that a lot of these f- food words were, were church-related too, where there there was always like a a luncheon after church <laughs> and luncheon my i think is in my top 10 least liked words as is the word craft i'm sure craft was somehow church related um like at sunday school you made crafts um meal m e a l i don't like um what else um I, I, I said this before. The uh, when I was watching Obama, uh, the, it was the, the day he was inaugurated. He had a um, an inaugural luncheon, and it was uh, it was shown live on TV. And I remember just I was about to leave the apartment in Brooklyn when it was it was starting, and I just kind of stopped for a second to watch it. And the the minister who gave the um, uh, the prayer, prayer is also a, a word, hate word. Uh, uh, the minister who gave the prayer did like a one minute, one and a half minute uh, prayer, and he somehow managed to hit like 20 of my least favorite words in, this, in, in a minute and a half. And so anyone who wants to know my, my least favorite words, just search that, that inaugural uh, luncheon prayer, and, and you'll, you'll find plenty of them. That's great. And are there uh, uh, sustenance is in there? <laughs> sustenance, uh, infuse, luncheon. Uh, oh, there's so many of them. What about words you like? Are there any? I like. Um, oh man, it's tough. Um, quintessence. I'm not even sure what it means. But I hear it every now and then. Uh, I think it, it means some kind of pleasing. transcendental, okay, spirit-like thing that infuses 
Oh, don't say that. Matter. You ruined it now. <laughs> well, I'll look it up later. Um, okay. Oh, Transcendental's good. I like that. Dental's good, definitely. And thanks to Sarah Lapsley for that interview with John Worcester, who's coming with the Mountain Goats. He's a drummer for the Mountain Goats, which is a band, if you haven't guessed by now, if you don't know by now. Um, the Mountain Goats with guests are coming to uh, the Biltmore, and that will be on Friday, June 17th, and it's an early show. It says curfew at 10.30 p.m. Doors are at 7 p.m. Tickets are $20 and can be purchased in advance at Red Cat Records. You can also buy tickets online at www.tickets... Sorry, www.ticketweb.ca. Ticketweb.ca. So check that out. You can also go to our website, citr.ca, and get the scoop on all the events we have on today's show and check them out online. It's also where you can subscribe to our regular podcast and get it delivered to your art to your iTunes, iTunes, delivered to your iTunes uh, every week. That's the Arts Report podcast available on iTunes. Check that out online. All right, so we're going to take a uh, quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk books with uh, Megan Thomas, our books correspondent, so stay with us. Car-free Vancouver Day will once again envelop our town in forward-looking fun on Sunday, June 19th. From noon to 8 p.m., come to Main Street between 12th and 28th for an all-day street festival in celebration of leaving the vehicle at home and taking to the streets for a day of community camaraderie. See your city from a new perspective. Standing in the middle of the road. To learn more, check out carfreevancouver.org. All right, so you're listening to the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM, and now we're going to talk about books. <laughs> books, books, books. And our official books correspondent is Megan Thomas. Hello, Megan. Hello, official arts reporter. <laughs> Uh, tell us what you have for us this week. Well, this week we have Afflictions and Departures, um, and that is a collection of memoir essays uh, by Madeline Sonic. Uh, she's been a children's author. She's been you know, a novelist. She was um, with the UBC Creative Rights Program. She has an MFA from UBC hmm. and a bunch of other awards and qualifications, so... Definitely check her out if you want more uh, specifics about her. Very uh, well regarded. Mm -hmm. But basically it's a collection of essays um, in somewhat chronological order. Um, it is very is very well contextualized. So what she does really well is she really sets up the time period in which she is mm -hmm. by using um, events that people of all generations since the 50s will kind of know about. Okay. Um, it's very contemporary. She's in her 60s now, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and she really makes it seem like you were there. It doesn't sound like the stories of someone from a past generation because she really tells it from the first person. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, you really feel like you're getting a sense of what it's like to live there, but also a very general sense of childhood. Mm. Um, I'm sorry, live where? Where does it take place? Um, so she, it takes place um, in kind of the Midwest, but her father, the Canadian connection is her father's a Russian immigrant. Parents were Russian immigrants uh, to Windsor, Ontario. And then they moved kind of into, you know, the very generic suburbs, very 50s suburbs, mm -hmm. kind of. 
town. Um, you almost forget where she is half the time because it's not really a big part. Um, the geography isn't a big part of it besides the fact that it's so generic. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really get a sense of the kind of that underbelly story of, of yeah. the perfect houses where, you know, there's there's abuse and alcoholism and, and you know, all these problems, but people right. try to stay perfect on the outside. Right, so all this all this seediness uh, behind the facade of, like, this perfect 50s world. Exactly. Okay. And um, what I really liked about it, I mean, you can tell by the, the title, Afflictions and Departures, for a, for a memoir. I mean, that's not a, necessarily a sunny... Um, <laughs> Introduction, but she definitely gives the the lightheartedness and the darkness of of childhood in that era, and uh, I think it really reflects the the sense of a certain generation coming of age, a certain generation of artists, and mm-hmm. they're they're getting to the memoir age basically, <laughs> and the talented ones really give you another facet to this generation. When we did Anticipate Results, that was the same type of thing, where you you get this really contemporary-sounding, interesting um, memoir or collection of essays, but it is definitely from a generational perspective. So um, this is a really good example of that. What I really liked about it is, um, throughout the book, there there are these peppered references to Canada that, that... really make it seem both mundane and exotic. Um, she compares it to, um, she compares her father to Clark Kent's Superman, or Super Son, as it were. You know, he's the, the best son in the world to his immigrant parents, mm. um, but, you know, in an ironic way. Mm. And, um, you know, compares it to, like, Smallville. Mm. Um, but also, in the same breath, we'll talk about it um, in terms of, you know, Russia or Korea, like this this land that she can only imagine. Yes. And so it's a really nice perspective on, on Canadian cities and she does a really good job of of giving us a sense of place um and giving us a different perspective on historical events in canada that you know you're not going to learn out of a textbook that's one of their taglines is that you get the sense of history um for this book and i really think it's true she does an excellent job um of revealing these individual facets through each individual essay Mm -hmm. that as a whole give you a real sense of each character in her life her mother her father Mm -hmm. um and these kind of vague brothers and sisters that actually don't pop up as much. Mm. Um, And as you go along, you get a real sense of what childhood is like for everyone Mm. um, and and what memories are like. So it it was really excellent read. It's very poetic at times and straightforward at others. They were published, these essays were published separately in many situations. So they're real nuggets Mm -hmm. um, that overall work to tell the story of her childhood. So that is... Afflictions and Departures by Madeline Sonic, uh, which is a book of essays by Anvil Press. Okay, thanks, Megan. Thank you. <laughs> books, books, books. Okay, that was our fabulous books jingle. By the way, we're working on some some more jingles in the Arts Report factory uh, that should be ready in a few weeks, uh, possibly longer, because um, the Arts Report is going on vacation for the month of July, so only a few episodes uh, left for this month, and then we're going to be a bit quiet for a few weeks and then back at it in August. Um, what else is going to be back in August. Oh yeah, books. Books will be back in August and uh, Megan will be back in just a moment to uh, set up 
our extended interview for this week's show, and it's with Crystal Precious. And let me tell you about Crystal. Uh, mixing up her favorite combo of early 90s satire and true vintage glam, Miss Precious slips effortlessly from classic Golden Age tributes to old-school jams by incorporating smooth vocals or hip-hop stylings to her burlesque numbers. A full-figured model, media personality, producer, and promoter, she has performed throughout Canada and the U.S. and has produced shows for underground cabarets, corporate events, and television spots. That's from sweetsoulburlesque.ca. She's also a part of um, Kitty Nights. Uh, Sorry, I'm just trying to find it on the website. She's part of a whole ton of things that happen uh, burlesque-wise. Let's have a look at uh, upcoming shows from the sweetsoulburlesque.ca website. Uh, There's lots going on with these guys. Uh, Wednesday, June 15th, Lola Frost, burlesque movement class. Let's see, where's that? Uh, At Tantra Fitness, you can take uh, a movement a burlesque movement class uh what else is there sweet sip let's find out what that is thursdays at the kefir bar that's happening tomorrow uh june the 16th and um not much information here let's see more details anyway check out the website there's lots going on so anyway she's uh she's a pretty uh awesome person as you'll hear she is very eloquent and so when we come back from the break we will uh give you the extended interview with crystal precious here on the arts report on citr i think there's a generosity of spirit to the event that people are able to share it the vancouver mini maker fair is a two-day celebration of making and creating It's an all-ages family festival promoting the ethos of DIY on a larger scale. The Vancouver Mini Maker Fair will take you through an inspiring, energetic, and captivating range of exhibits, including workshops, performances, displays, and a speaker series. Some of the features include pyrotechnics, kinetic sculptures, interactive musical installations, and 3D printers that can print themselves. The Vancouver Mini Maker Fair takes place at Great Northern Way Campus June 25th and 26th. For advanced tickets and more information, visit MakerFair, that's F-A-I-R-E, dot C-A. You are listening to The Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming worldwide on the interwebs at CITR.ca. And Megan is back with me. Hey, Megan. Hey. And a few weeks ago, you did an interview with Crystal Precious. I sure did. Now, what was that for? We were promoting uh, the... Vancouver International Burlesque Festival, which was an amazing event. I hope everyone went. I'm sure they did. (laughs) Of course they did. And so we talked a lot about what that festival meant to burlesque and to Vancouver. And we talked about uh, what burlesque, or burly cue, as people in the know say it, um, means to Vancouver in terms of community building, in terms of great fun events. And then we got a little deep at it, and we got a little deep. We talked about what burlesque meant in terms of feminism and and women expressing themselves and women doing it for themselves, producing their own shows and uh, piloting their own careers. So it was a really, really great, uh, a really great talk. Awesome. So this is the next installment of our extended interview series for June on the Arts Report. And here is um, the interview that Megan Thomas did with Crystal Precious. Um, we were actually just talking a little bit about Kitty Nights and, and, and what a great venue that is. Um, do you find that 
Vancouver in general is is pretty welcoming for performers. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the beautiful things about Vancouver is that there's enough shows going on at different stages of perform and performance levels that basically, if you want to get involved in the scene, you can find a stage to get on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that also, like you know, a lot of times when we first started out. Uh, with Sweet School, you know, people would approach us and say, oh, I'm really interested in this or have this background. And we were kind of really specific about what we were kind of going for as far as, you know, our sort of professional goals and our aesthetic and just all of those kinds of things. And even though we didn't want to devalidate what other people wanted to do, we were, and we didn't want to be exclusive because part of the burlesque you know, mentality is to try to be inclusive and try to get everyone involved at the same time. It wasn't always in line with, you know, our vision for what the truth was. So Mm -hmm. I'm really stoked about the fact that there's more opportunities for everyone to get involved in the scene and to step on stage if they want to. And also to have a place where everyone knows that, you know, maybe you're a new beginner and, and that it's a comfortable and safe place for you to try it out. It's very refreshing. I think, um, in Vancouver, because audiences, at least musically, tend to be a little more reticent and kind of they have an impress me mentality, and comedy's kind of non-existent. So it's like the burlesque seems to be really bringing the the life to the entertainment scene in Vancouver. Yeah, I don't really know exactly why. I think. Well, I think that there's a. Well, boobs. There's yeah, boobs. there's That's boobs. Pretty good. Boobs are always great. I mean, it's just... I think that people are interested in not having a really, um, you know... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Hard-to-understand concept put in front of their... Like, they don't want to be kind of going, like, do I get it? I'm not sure if this is cool or not. That's what I always joke about hipsters. Everyone's like, what is a hipster? Like, what's hipster culture? You Mm -hmm. know, apparently hipster culture is rampant in Vancouver. And I'm like, no one really knows. Mm -hmm. They just are kind of looking at each other going, is this cool? I think this is cool. Maybe this is cool. Okay, it's cool. Yeah, it's funny. It's kind of cool. It's It's stupid, but it's cool. And, you know, and I think that's almost like an extension of a lot of contemporary art. My best friend in the universe is a contemporary art curator, and he would kill me if you heard me say this, but I just honestly think people want to see something that's instantly relatable. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't want to discard that. I mean, I think there's time and a place for all kinds of highbrow expression. I just think that at this point in the game, people just want to have fun, y'all. And they're just interested in a fantasy and playing dress up and being stimulated with their eyes and their ears and their minds and their pants all at the same time. <laughs> well, what I didn't mention, I guess I should have, is that uh, one of the things that Crystal Precious is known as as the Queen of Sass. Ooh. And I think that sassiness in, in, um, is a big part of the burlesque scene. And cheekiness and it's not taking itself seriously even when it really is there are some really artistic people out there doing some really mm-hmm. artistic things but as a whole the community is very it takes entertainment seriously but not itself too serious yeah exactly you're not gonna see everybody like standing up there being you know really trying to sell a message and mm-hmm. shoving their morals down your throat and you know, it's almost about giving your audience credibility. Mm-hmm. It's giving people credibility when it comes to striptease. It's not 
just, you know, parading the um, standardized sexual imagery in front of you and saying, ooh, isn't this a turn-on? It's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe at one exact point of the night, or, you know, like the commodification of sex is useful the same way fast food is useful. It's not particularly sensual or interesting or intelligent in any way. And I just feel like, yeah, fast food's useful if you want something quick and dirty. Mm-hmm. But you're going you're gonna to feel pretty shitty if you live on that all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit of an empty and unnourishing feeling. And, I mean, as a co-founder, you know that um, women are, especially in Vancouver, I don't know, and, you know, kind of generally in the in the movement right now, it's kind of neo-burlesque. Some people use that term or new mm-hmm. burlesque. Or yeah, I'm a the big resurgence. fan of that term. Um, it's women produced and it's for mixed audiences. And yeah. how do you think that's kind of changed the game? Well, I mean, I think that it changes the game because we are making concerted efforts to make sure that everyone feels really comfortable and excited about it and that we are attracting, uh, you know, people to continue to do it and to use burlesque as a means of coping with the idea that as women we are, we tend to be judged primarily about how, you know, like bonable we are, Mm -hmm. right? Quote unquote, based on you know, a set of standards that no one really ever asked for or really knows where they came from. And And it's a contradictory set of standards as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like, for me, for that to be the biggest value that I'm constantly faced with, like, for people to value me for those, like, how I rate against those standards constantly first, like, above how talented I am and how smart I am and how capable I am and all those things, really pisses me off. And I think it's pissed off a lot of people for a long time. However, you know, I enjoy having sex and I enjoy being attractive and I want to be bonable mm-hmm. to a certain extent. So how do you deal with that? How do you live your life, um, especially in a patriarchal society and being, you know, like I'm actually queer, like I'm bisexual, but, um, you know, a lot of these women are heterosexual and we love men, like men are not the enemy. Um, it's you know, the socialization, et cetera, et cetera. It just doesn't, but you can't just make it go away because you know it's wrong. You know, if it, just because it wasn't supposed to happen, does it mean it didn't? So how do we deal with this? And burlesque is a really, I think, positive and good answer because what you're able to do is decide on your own terms, what makes you feel, you know, like you identify with whatever images you feel are fabulous or sexy or, you know, kind of able to pick and choose some of these things that have traditionally been oppressed upon us, like the corsets and the high heels that are designed so we couldn't run away and the gloves designed so we didn't ruin our hands by touching things. And so we're taking them back and being like, oh, thanks, you know. And I'll I'll take them off and put them on and wear them how I, I decide. Exactly. And just to also have the freedom with, the fact that glamour has evolved in so many different forms, even if each one of them was sort of setting a standard in its day, we can look at the fact that there's such a huge contrast and evolution of these images throughout history and say, well, you know, it's ridiculous to try to have this beauty standard. 
And at the same time, some of these beauty images are actually pretty interesting to us and which ones do we relate to. And, you know, it's one of those psychological things that you can't really deny. If you see something looking back at you, you feel validated if it reminds you of yourself. If somebody's clapping at something and it reminds you of yourself, you think, oh, I deserve to be clapped at, which is part of the reason I think that people get excited when I'm up on stage because it's... You know, people aren't used to seeing a half-naked chubby chick on stage. They're like, where the hell did you come from and what's going on? And, oh, wait a minute, like, people are really into this. Wow. Imagine that. I always think it's hilarious that it's such a surprise that it's possible to be attractive and, you know, over 160 pounds. I'm always like, um, yeah, it hasn't really been a problem in my life, actually. So, <laughs> I'm so beautiful. No, I'm just joking. But you know what I'm saying, right? So, well, I mean, as a patron of, of for about a year now, of the, uh, many of the nights, um, it, I can definitely mark an increase in self-esteem for myself, seeing a variety um, from your kind of most fit, bounce a quarter, you know, 125-pound people, women, um, to, you know, big girls of all shapes and sizes and attitudes. And it's been really, uh, empowering saying like, well, if anyone can get up on stage and feel good, then I must be, um, acceptable as well. Well, and the thing is that, I mean, and you know, we're all deep down inside. We're all supposed to know that we're great the way we are, blah, blah, blah. But come on now, let's be, uh, let's be real about it. It's nice to see that. And I think that it's important to point out that having us all stand together is, is what's truly powerful. I get really annoyed when I hear people single me out and say, or any dancer that's, you know, a little bit, um, on the extra luscious side, and they say, oh, you're my favorite, and oh, you know, like, I can't stand looking at the skinny twig insects with no bodies and just hating on that, because it's not helpful. It's not helpful to replace one standard with another, and it's also pits us against them in this sort of, like, us-against-them mentality, which is not helpful for us either. Like, it really kind of is going to close you off from from, you know, having relationships with women who don't look like you, you know what I mean? It just like feeds into the insecurity and it feeds into the whole machine. And so I think part of the reason why, you know, Sweet Soul is like a powerful troop is because I'm standing next to, you know, like Lola, who's the complete opposite body type of, uh, as I am. And you're talking about Lola Frost, who's an amazing performer, who's very tall and lean and She's like, super muscular, yeah, and she's she very bench, small. Oh, bench press any guy. In the oh, yeah, room, for like, sure. And she's very small-chested, but she has got, like, a very 20s But infinitely lean. feminine at the same time. Oh, absolutely. Performing. She's one of the most graceful, feminine human beings ever, whereas I'm, you know, very curvy. You know, I have, a, you know, like an like a, almost an 18-inch difference between my waist and my hips. You know, like, we're as different as can be, but and we're And you're both, so aggressive on stage, and you yeah. have this, like, this rap and hip-hop style and very street, um, almost kind of punky way about you, and so it's very, it's a nice tension in the well, performance. That's why I'm proud of my girls, because we've already, we've, we've, uh, we're trying to get to this place now where we're evolving past your conventional pinup throwbacks, right? And this is why I love the term neo-burlesque, because we have so many different eras 
and styles and mediums to choose from when we're each developing our own persona. I think it's natural to want to tend towards what you'd conventionally think of as a pinup or a burlesque performance when you first start out because, you know, you're just starting and you're trying it out and it's not so much about your identity as an artist. But after eight years of doing this, um, you know, it's important to to have your own voice and to bring your expression as an individual into each piece that you do. Mm-hmm. So I fell in love with Lola Frost immediately because she has a very attuned, distinctive aesthetic, which is, you know, rock and roll flapper girl, very 20s mixed with almost, you know, late 80s rock and roll. Her Egyptian tattoos is just very finely tuned and just everything about her is just really specific. She makes really deliberate choices about what she's doing. It's not just, oh, and then I think this will be cute. So, uh... And that's why the... I know that, you know, through the the people I've talked to, the, the term that people prefer is burlesque artist. In, um, or many, many people prefer because it's not just, it's... Some of them are amazing dancers and some of them are amazing performers and some of them are amazing singers and etc. But there's an art in terms of the whole persona. Right. And so is that something that you prefer as well is to be referred to as an, a whole artist? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I just... I'm not, I mean, I'm an okay dancer, but that's not really my primary instinct (laughs) or my primary strength, Mm -hmm. shall we say. I don't really, to be honest, I don't really care what people call me. Mm -hmm. Like, I think people just need to come see me and then they'll just call me by my name. But it's, but it's, yeah. I mean, if you had to give me a choice between the two, I'd say burlesque artist for sure. Now, speaking of, um, you know, coming and seeing, um, as I mentioned at the top, uh, we have the Vancouver International Burlesque Festival. It's its sixth year. Uh, it's the weekend of the 5th, 6th, and 7th um, mm. at the rickshaw and at the Vogue. And um, so as it comes into its sixth year, what do you think that this, um, that the festival is going to be representing? How do you think it's going to be representing Vancouver? Quality. Yeah? Quality. The burlesque scene in Vancouver is very large and it is extremely diverse and amazing in terms of its support both for new performers and for the, you know, eclectic variety of stuff going on. There's a great article by Dan Savage where he writes about, did you have you read this article? Yeah. This great article about Dan, from Dan Savage where he writes about the danger of people becoming too supportive in an underground art scene and then it you know ultimately contributing to its demise mm-hmm. because the quality of the performances are meanwhile going down but everyone's too so busy trying to be supportive 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 that they're not actually being constructively critical as to the quality of the performances i think that for us to present the festival and the um potential of our community and the power that it truly has to affect and inspire audiences. It means that we need to understand that there's a difference between somebody who's getting up on stage for the first time and who is, you know, going through a very valuable personal development exercise for themselves 
uh, are becoming part of a community. I think that's all very, very crucial, important part of the burlesque movement. However, I don't think it's appropriate to be charging $20 tickets Mm -hmm. or $30 tickets to go and see those types of shows, unless you know that that's what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. I think that for the festival, for us to stage it at the Vogue, it's been important for us to really try to zero in on you know a cross-section of the scene and people that have been working really hard to get to a new level of quality within you know their their art form yeah and i know that i mean i've got my tickets and i know that there's some going to be some amazing performances by i mean there's troops um and the troops are one of the i think ways that you can really know that you know, it's one of the levels that you get to. Like, if you're going to be in a troupe, like, for example, Sweet Soul or um, Pandora and the Locksmiths, which are um, some amazing performers, then you know you're going to get a certain amount of quality. Um, and those are all locals. Um, as far as the international aspect, um, what are yeah. some of the guests that we're going to be expecting? Like, oh, oh, it's very exciting. Roxy Delight is coming. She's yeah. the international reigning queen of burlesque. Mm-hmm. So she's the first Canadian to ever win the title, which is granted by the Burlesque Hall of Fame in Las Vegas every year. It's a very coveted award. And another one of our Vancouverites, uh, Melanie Mangler, is going to the, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, she actually, she wanted. To, well, yeah, we've all been to the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm, of course. But she's but she's competing for but she's she's going to be. Yeah, she. I mean, she won the title for best debut, mm-hmm. um, and she will be with Violet Femme and Lauren. They will be competing for the best troop title, which we actually competed for last year. The competition aspect of the Burlesque Hall of Fame pageant isn't really sort of the focus of it. It's more mm-hmm. actually about giving paying homage to the legends of burlesque, like the original burlesque yeah. legends. But, you know, if you win a title, it's kind of a big deal because it's an international... It's sort of renowned for setting the international standard. And it's exciting that there was a Canadian who won the overall title mm-hmm. um, because it's a quality of performance that is just unsurpassed. It's the best of the best. People spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on their costumes and their settings. And she's got circus training performance and, you know, acrobatic training. And she's been a strip teaser for years and years and years. And she's just a veteran performer. That's going to stun everyone. One of her props, one of her props in one of her pieces was more costly than a small vehicle that we'll be seeing. Wow. At the that show. That sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. Things are going to get really intense really quick on that stage there. So she's doing two numbers. Judith Stein from Nelson, who's the, you know, the as far as we know, the only living Canadian burlesque legend will be there. She's in her 60s. I guarantee she's going to stun the crap out of you and everyone else. Scotty the Blue Bunny... Thank you, darling. Scotty the Blue Bunny is going to be there. Scotty the Blue Bunny is possibly the funniest human being alive. I, I saw him at Kitty Nights, which is actually on Sundays at the Biltmore, every Sunday, and uh, he is brilliant. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. Oh, yeah. He's this giant bear of a gay dude in a spandex blue bunny suit. He's got all kinds of different bunny suits. And he was actually originally a circus performer. Like, he's got mad skills, physical skills, as well as crowd-holding skills. And he walks around in these, you know, 15-inch acrylic stripper heels, just completely lambasting anybody who gets in his way in the funniest way possible. This guy wrote 
the book on busting your chops. It's amazing. So he'll be hosting um, part of the Vogue show on Saturday. We also have some a troop coming up from Seattle. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. I've had to deal with some hilarious stuff in the past couple of weeks, one of them figuring out how we're going to get two Swarovski crystal-studded toilets over the border. I saw that. I saw that online. Coming up with... And they're working toilets, aren't they? Oh, yeah. The yeah. toilets are hilarious. <laughs> the toilet... It's a little no- teaser for you folks. Yeah. Who who spends, you know, who spends 200 hours pasting Swarovski crystals to toilets? Burlesque dancers. And trust me, when I first heard that, I was like, what? Saw the number. It's brilliant. These women are brilliant. Not super serious, mm-hmm. but brilliant. So, um, so this is, I'll just give you a little bit of a rundown on, um, some of the things that you can see over that, the weekend that's on the 5th, 6th, and 7th. Um, you can go to vamberlesfest.com. Um, so at the Rickshaw Theater, we have Luscious Pink, Pandora and the Locksmiths, with, which often, um, perform at Gilton Company. Um, so they're a great troupe. I've seen them tons of times. We have Bloody and Betty, Bloody Betty and the Seven Deadly Sins. And Which she is gorlesque. Gorlesque. And now, if you are, uh, if you're a hard rocker, if you love your dark stuff, if you horror, oh, it's it's a, it's amazing. Super artistic, um, fun sometimes. Uh, always just blood. It's fantastic. I love it. Um, and then on Friday, also at the rickshaw. You have some live R&B in Burlesque, um, Sinner Saint Burlesque, from, that's the one you mentioned from Seattle, and then Sex at the Circus. Now, I haven't seen uh, any of the Sex at the Circus shows before, but they sound amazing. Oh, yeah. There's freak stuff going on in Sex and the Circus. I love Sex and <clears throat> the Circus because they have a very specific aesthetic as well. The East Vanity Parlor girls are very interested in creating vintage, like post-punk vintage inspired looks that I just can't even describe. They look, they all look like a bunch of crazy circus dolls in some sort of acid porno. Like it's totally bright colors and glitter, but like these little strange elements of, hmm, weird. Like, is that really happening? Walking on glass, grinder sparks, you know, there's a, they, they did this famous party one time, where, uh, you know, one of the guys in the, in the Sex and Circus show said, needed to raise money, he said, okay, you know, I'll let you staple gun any bills onto my body that you want. My goodness. And that's how he raised money that night. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, and one of the things we haven't really mentioned um, that we can maybe get to, but I mean, there there's a place, uh, you know, some people call it bro-lesque, boy-lesque, or just male burlesque, um, mm-hmm. but they have... Uh, their comedic uh, aspects. I mean, there's a couple performers, Dog Chocolate and um, Chai Tea in town. Yeah. And, uh, and they they also have a little troupe with Blue Morris, the Fedorables. And then I was just looking online. I mean, there's people who have all-boy troops that are fully serious. They have amazing bodies. They do amazing strips. Oh, so, yeah. So it's... It's... Uh, it's Oh, there's it's this one women, Latin it's guy. It's women-focused, but there's, you know, if you are a guy out there and you have skills... Oh, man. There's, there's a this, place for you. There's this one Latin <clears throat> dude. I, can't, I wish I could remember his name, but we were just... Our jaws, we had to peel them off the floor with spatulas afterwards. I just love it. When a dude actually knows what's going on, it's the hottest thing in the world. 
And then on um, and then on Saturday we have the VIBF uh, showcase. Yeah. The Vogue, which I have tickets to, I'm very excited. And that's um, you know, you got solos and small groups. Yeah. And then you know what? And here's a cool thing: you guys are doing or not? Um, there's all sorts of people coming in and doing um classes. So you've got Scotty the Blue Bunny is uh has a really interesting looking seminar on on performance. Um, there's uh, hair dance. So like, if you want a little taste of burlesque boys and gals out there, then you know. Sign up for a class. Learn a little something. It'll be really amazing. Oh, yeah, that's great. I mean, you can even sign up for a class where you don't have to get up and walk around. You can sign up for, for, sign up for a hangover class where everyone's like, how do you do your hair? Like, how do you roll your hair like that? Yeah. Or, you know, those kinds of questions that we normally get. So we're excited to provide a little bit of a place to learn them. That's amazing. That sounds great. So, um, I mean, I just want to make sure that we promote all the people that we talked about. You have... Um, Pandora and the Locksmiths, um, Sweet Soul Bird Blast, we got Kitty Nights, um, who else did we mention? Uh, Bloody Betty. Bloody Betty, yeah. that's at the rickshaw. And the Sex and the Circus Girls from the East Vanity Parlor. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so, there's so much going on, so go out there and, uh, you know, look it up. Everyone's on Facebook. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. I know the, where their dates are. The Lucitera Belly Dancers will be doing a little intermission show at oh, the Vogue. Oh, that sounds great. And we also have, I think we have like a magic, a magic act as well. So there's a little something for everybody. Men, women. Don't bring your dog. That'll probably be weird, but. Yeah, probably not so much with a dog. Awesome. Well, you know, is there anything else that you need to let people out there know about the like? Because I, I know that you 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 travel yeah. in Canada, and 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 I know that um, so I've heard Vancouver right now compared to places like LA and New York. Um, is it spreading across Canada? Is this is there going to be a Canada burlesque? Well, scene? I think the oh yeah, there's definitely a Canadian burlesque. There's burlesque going on in every major city in the country. Toronto has their own festival, and they're they are yeah. huge. And yeah, amazing. for sure. Yeah, I definitely think the centers of burlesque still in, in on the continent are really New York and Vancouver, mm -hmm. but I think that's just because we're port towns. You know, we have a history for strip teasers and, and sailors. And yeah, exactly. Love their, uh, Where are all the sailors? There should be a, <laughs> there should be a docking. During the uh, the festival, no, but I think that I mean with Canada, obviously we just don't have as many people. <laughs> but in you know in some place like the UK, there's ten thousand burlesque dancers that are all registered on Ministry of Burlesque, and in the states, you know they have a really tight knit rockabilly community and a lot of alternative culture stuff going on there. And there's just way more people. Like there's as many people in Southern California as there is in the entirety of Canada. So uh, I foresee it continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. And I foresee Vancouver continuing to be an epicenter because it's fun to there, be here. There are people it's a nice who place. Have a party. Yeah, things are good. We're gonna sass it up. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking to us. Oh, no worries. And that's Megan Thomas talking to Crystal Precious on our extended interview series, our recent episode, our next, our most recent installment of our interview series here on the Art Sport. I don't know why I can't get that out. We're doing extended interviews all month long, okay? And that's, uh, that's the most recent uh, episode of the uh, extended interview, okay? So get off my back. Um, 
yeah, we're going to take a quick break and then wrap up the show. So stay with us. Right here on News 101. All right, and we're back on the award-winning Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM. Yes, if you missed it at the top of the show, the Arts Report has claimed for CITR Radio the uh, NCRA, that's the National Campus and Community Radio Association Award for uh, local talent development, which means that uh, we have supported local artists in our community over the past year, and uh, we beat out all the other nominees, and CITR um, has taken the prize. So um, thanks again to all the listeners and everybody who's been a part of the Arts Report for the last year for for helping us uh, get this far. Um, It's been an honor being your host um, since taking over last March, I think it was, around last March, um, from uh, the fabulous uh, Tracy Tracy Fuller, uh, who did an awesome job for two years and really set the bar for for the art support and uh, and i 've been trying to fill her shoes since then and um, so um, thanks to to all of you and uh, just before we we end the show, uh, a little bit of news for you jay brazo that 's the actor who 's in uh, hairspray at the arts club right now, and he had an unfortunate incident on stage where he had uh, a stroke and um, obviously had to go away for a while and his um, his fill in Andy Toth uh, managed to uh, step in sorry this is understudy uh, managed to very quickly jump up uh, literally jump up on the stage and take his place uh, in hairspray in hairspray and uh, now we have news that Jay is returning to the role how amazing is that uh, he left on May 12th and now he is fully recovered and able to get step back into the role of Edna Turnblad which is yes a woman's name uh, that part is traditionally played by a man in drag and um, so he's back in Hairspray and that show is running until July the 10th and uh, so you can check that out. You can go to artsclub.com and get more information on getting tickets to see that show. Now, let me just quickly see if there's any other news or events. Oh, yeah. In case you were wondering about last week's podcast, yeah, there, there wasn't one. Um, it, uh, it, it didn't happen. But uh, we're working on uh, bringing you the interviews that were in that show. It was just one interview and one 
uh, one event and one extended interview that we've been doing all month long. So it was a, a small show, but um, the play was A Guide to Morning, which was running from 8th till the 12th, June 8th until the 12th at Performance Works. And then we did an extended interview with Charlie Demers. So uh, we'll probably we'll try to put that up onto YouTube, those two interviews, because uh, they were great and definitely worth a listen. On next week's show, we will tell you about the film uh, Beginners, and uh, which will be out in cinemas everywhere. We'll talk to director Mike Mills about uh, that one. It's sort of a father-son uh, tale, f- including uh, Christopher Plummer as, uh, as the father uh, role. And uh, so that'll be great. And um, also quickly to tell you about uh, a great festival coming up uh, next weekend, next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's called The Shift, uh, one act one act festival and that's uh coming to uh, port moody next week and it's a really great festival of short plays that's thursday friday and saturday you can go to shiftarts.ca and get more information